0: Hi, I'm Samantha Boffin, and this is Talking Creative, the art of voiceover directing, the podcast that helps you find, prep, and direct the perfect voice artists for your projects so you can get the most from every single booking. Hello, and welcome to Talking Creative, the podcast for voice directors. I'm Samantha Boffin, a full-time voice actor and ex-BBC director. Today is World Voice Day, and so I wanted to do something a little bit special with the podcast. Now, World Voice Day is all about celebrating the phenomenon of the voice, so I thought that I'd bring you lots of different voices, not just mine. And as this is a podcast aimed at voice directors, I thought that we could celebrate you So I asked voice actors for their thoughts and stories about working with voice directors from their side of the glass, and I got back some amazing stuff. I could have made multiple podcast episodes out of it, to be honest, and, well, maybe next year that is exactly what I'll do. But for now, grab yourself a cuppa, a cocktail or an ice cold beer, depending on the time zone you're listening in, and enjoy. There are some actionable insights here, some likes and dislikes, and a warning of drug abuse. So, let's get started with Lisa Graydon. And who better to start it with, because Lisa is currently wearing the glittering crown of female voiceover artist of the year.
1: I had an audition recently for a game role, and it was via Zoom. So I could see the casting director and he could see me in my booth. We discussed the script which for NDA reasons I'd received like an hour before the call and we briefly discussed this character before he asked me to have an initial read through. These sides had pretty much a little bit of everything so that because of that I got to act out many different emotions, tons of different emotions for this one character within like one and a half sides of A4. I absolutely loved reading for the role and he seemed to really like what I did. And then he said to me, can you now do another run-through but do something completely different? And then we did a third read-through where he really specifically directed me. We actually went through the lines uh, one by one and he told me how he wanted that to go. And I realised when I came off the call that i just had this amazing experience in a pretty short space of time where I'd been given the opportunity to show the casting director a huge range with one relatively short script and I've been able to show my versatility and I think those kinds of auditions, they stay with you for all the right reasons.
0: Now Lisa is talking about game work here but this little gem is transferable across all voiceover work. If you have the time in a directed voice session, playing around with the script allows you as a director to find alternative takes, not necessarily the most obvious ones, and potentially get a more surprising, interesting, exciting end product. Plus, you learn what your voice is capable of for future sessions, something that voice actor Margaret Ashley illustrates so well.
2: I was doing an explainer video for a building company and we were having a little chat, the director and the two clients listening in on the other side of the glass we were having a bit of a chat to find out what they wanted. And the two clients were saying how they thought I had a kind of Morella Frostrup, Nigella Lawson type voice. And it was that kind of deep, sexy type of feel they wanted, which I thought was a bit strange for the product we were doing, which was a kind of a roofing tile product. Anyway, I did the piece they wanted. Um, and we went to it several times, taking various directions. Uh, and they were very happy with it. So when we were about to wrap up, I just chatting said, oh, so you didn't actually want to do it in the style of m Morella Frostrup, Nigella Lawson voice. And they went, actually, yeah, that would be a great idea. What a fantastic idea. Could you just do it in that style for us? So I did. And at the end of it, they went, that's brilliant we're going to play that first to the actual clients before we play the real thing oh that's brilliant so it just goes to show that by chatting with the directors and getting to know them and them getting to know you and what you can do and picking each other's brains and picking up on each other's thoughts you can actually get a lot more out of the script and have a much nicer time
0: Whether the client actually went with Margaret's cheeky interpretation in the end, and I really hope they did, doesn't really matter. The session was richer, and the directors emerged richer. They would discovered a voice who was versatile and flexible and easy to work with for the future. I do realise that sometimes you really just don't have the luxury to do this, but if you can, it's invariably wonderful – when I first worked on CBBS, after years of working in grown-up TV, it was a revelation to find that voice actors were just that. Actors. Actors who were able to ring the changes and bring real character to their reads. I was always so excited to find voices who were booked for one thing had the capacity to give you so much more. And as voice actor Nano Nagel neatly sums up, voices need your input.
3: I think the great thing about working with a director is that you want to please them. So you up your game. You really do, particularly when you're doing games. The characters are extraordinary, fantastic. So you've got all those characters and you need a director in one way to either sit with you before you do your recording and say, all right, you go for your recording, but let's talk about what happens to the character. They're going to do all these many different things. You're going to see them doing that. You're going to interact with them and go through those things. Then you do it by, then I like doing it by myself. I really like doing it by myself in my booth. Fine. Then I send it to them. They listen to it and they'll come back and they'll say, "Mm hmm, jolly good or no, I don't like this bit. And I can change that and maybe work with them again. I find it quite hard to have someone listening in for the entirety of it. But I have done that with games directors. And they like you to do things many, many times what they're doing is they're making this game and they need to have choices so they're getting lots of information and lots of different types of character that work from you and then they'll choose when they're sitting on the editing desk. All in all, it really is brilliant to work with a director because they give you a pathway.
0: So, directors, just by being there, you raise our game. You just need to tell us what you need us to do. Voice actor Laura Doman.
3: The most important thing, whether you're recording remotely or you have an in person session, is just clear communications. As a voice actor, I just want to know that I'm giving you what you want, what you need. You can tell me what adjustments you'd like for me to make. The fact that I can't see you really doesn't change much because I can hear you through my headphones. So, my best advice as a voice actor is just to say, hey, Tell me like it is, because we're on the same team. And honestly, I'm happy when
0: you and the client are happy. If you're nervous about directing or think, well, what on earth can I bring to the party? Laura makes a point worth remembering. Voice actors are on your team. They want to give you what you need to make your project soar. Clear communication is the key, but of course you need to have your ducks in a row before the session – and know what you want to achieve. Here's a cautionary tale from voice actor Mena Bonsals.
4: Well, I record in the Welsh language as well as the English language, and recently I was localising, in other words, doing a Welsh language version of a video that was being done in various other languages. I was recording from home, as we a lot of us have been doing during the Covid lockdown, uh, but also on the line, there was a studio engineer who may have been in his own studio or at his own house, I don't know. There was somebody in Italy where the original video had been produced. There was a Welsh language speaker in Wales, but she didn't have the script and she had never seen the video I was voicing over. So it was very hard to know whether I was actually doing the right thing as far as the video producer was concerned, because they were Italian, they were in Italy, they didn't know any different. I think they might have had one other person in the studio there, but they didn't have the script. I don't think they had the video in front of them. It was a very strange setup. So in the end, I knew that I had spoken Welsh correctly because of the Welsh speaker in Wales, but she didn't know whether I had actually voiced the script in front of me or not could have been anything. So I would say to producers and directors, if you're going to produce somebody in a foreign language, please have the script and the video at the ready for anybody who might be also on the line checking that the language is being used correctly, that the emphasis is in the right place.
0: A story that underlines why booking an experienced professional voice actor is important. Menna knew exactly how to save that session. We've got another brilliant insight about working in a foreign language later on. But for now, we'll concentrate on why clear communication is so key, particularly when you have multiple people in a session, remote or in person. Voice actor Angela Colville.
5: I really like directed sessions. Having, you know, live feedback is really cool. It's great. I do think sometimes there can be too many directors. So um, I've had sessions where there can be four or five people providing feedback, and that gets a little tricky because then you have people sort of live trying to, directors trying to agree. Do you think, how do you think that sounds? Well, what do you think? Well, I thought it was a little bit this way. Well, I was thinking more of this. And so I think it's helpful to have one or maybe two people directing. But other than that, I think why I like it so much is that I really, really, really care about how the voiceover turns out, how it turns out for the project, and customer service and satisfaction. So I really like it. And I think having that mutual trust that we know what we're doing, and we also want the clients to be really, really happy. I think it can be such a positive experience. It can be a lot of fun. I think it gets tricky. Sometimes I've had experiences where a word gets you know, well, could you say the word? I was thinking it could be said this way. And someone else will say, well, I thought that sounded good to me. I, I thought it sounded great. <laughs> so it could get a little tricky. And so I think it's having faith in your, the artist that you choose. And also the artist to be open to really hearing to hearing the feedback and incorporating that. Again, feedback from five people can get tricky during a live session. But I, I really encourage voice directors to do the live sessions. That way, the end result, the likelihood of the end result turning out exactly how you want it goes up, and it's a win-win. If you take nothing else away from this podcast, that was gold
0: right there. Always be clear who is ultimately the director in a session. If your clients are sitting in, it's worth having that conversation with them before you start. Too many cooks can create a really bland cake that nobody wants to eat, and pronunciations Definitely need to be sorted in good time. And Angela makes a lovely last point. Don't shy away from directed sessions because the likelihood of the product turning out the way you want it to in a directed session goes up. She's so right. Here's another insight about directing when there are too many keen creatives in the room. Voice actor Rory Barnett.
6: I did a script about a week ago and there were five people on the call and after the first sentence, someone interrupted me and said, oh, can you just um, make that phrase sound a little bit like this and gave me a line read as, as how they wanted it to sound. And then at the end of the next sentence, uh, someone else interrupted and said, oh, uh, that word is really important for the client. Can you make sure you really stress that word a bit more? And I realised in my head that if we carried on doing this whole script in that way, it would sound very disjointed and there would be no natural flow to it. So I actually interrupted the client and I was a bit apprehensive about doing that, but just said to them, tell you what, why don't we just go for a run all the way through from top to bottom, then you can hear how it sounds in its entirety and then you can tell me if you're happy. And they agreed to it and everyone said, yeah, good, great, off we go. So I read the script from top to bottom, expecting at the end of it, that there would be a huge number of comments because they had been three and three lines up until now. And there was this pause at the end that everyone went, yeah, sounds really good. So my point being that sometimes you need to hear a script in its entirety before you can then go back and work out which lines need changing and improving.
0: I love this little tip. I've definitely been in sessions where I haven't even opened my mouth and the director is explaining exactly how they want the lines said. As a voice, you immediately feel as if you might fail to live up to the director's vision, which isn't, I'm sure, what directors are trying to do. Definitely bring the actor on board with a bigger picture of what the piece is about, who they're talking to and why, but be confident that your voice actor will deliver. See what they bring to the party and then work together. You're integral to bringing out a great performance if you work with your voice actor. Actor Liz Drury.
2: I have to say I love a directed session. Don't get me wrong, I'm happy to self-direct, but it's really helpful to have another pair of ears involved in the creative process. A director might come up with ideas that you haven't thought of, and in my experience, they can push you far beyond where you would have gone on your own. The results are always better. During lockdown, I've definitely noticed an increase in remote directed sessions. People have become more used to the fact that they can dial into a voiceover artist's home studio and speak to them just as if they were
0: in the same studio. Liz is not wrong. Remote sessions are here to stay. And know that if you can embrace them, you'll definitely get a better end product. If you can build relationships with your voice artists, that will make the process much easier. Bilingual voice actor Zulika Desia, or Z. I
4: cherish so much. Relationships and getting to know the client, the producer, the director, the engineers, the people who work in the office and the recording studio, etc., is something that makes me very happy. But I also miss the opportunity to work with a director. 90% of my recording sessions are by myself. I don't have any director, and it's a little bit tricky because When I don't have a director, I tend to stay in my comfort zone.
0: So directors clearly have the ability to get voice actors to raise their game and deliver more, which is all well and good, but how do they actually do that? Well, my friend, as ever, it's all in the planning. I'll let voice actor Bav Palmer give you her take. So my experience with
7: directors has been a really positive one, especially with those that are in the European market. So, um, for example, Germany, companies that are in Germany, companies that are in Switzerland or Sweden uh, or generally the Netherlands, companies from Italy and Spain tend to find that those markets seem to be super, super organized, which therefore means that the relationship that you have with the director is really thought about and you are able to kind of fully collaborate in the project. So one example is a great friend of mine. He's a German director, and he usually calls upon me for kind of promo or short explainer videos. Now, he has a very, very good way of letting the project melt into you. And that is by having an initial conversation with you, then inviting you into a meeting with either the client or somebody else in the production team. And then being there with you on the recording, you know, hearing you in the moment, hearing what you've got to bring to the script, which would have been covered in that meeting as well. And that was the, the primary reason for those meetings. What does it sound like to Bav? How, does she, how is she going to voice it? And so all of those kind of small things is a big takeaway for this whole idea of letting the project melt. And I think as, a, as an artist, as much as you are ready and able to work flexibly like last minute and somebody throws you a project and there you go you know run with it and and there's minimal direction one thing I do love is being part of that person's process and being part of the process you understand the project so much better you get where everything's coming from you don't just kind of enter in and do your job and leave You actually sit there and and have discussions and understand what it is that the the production company wants and the client wants. So just that idea of saying, hey, we're going to send this project to Bab a week in advance and then we're going to have a little chat with her. And then if she's got anything that she wants to change, she can. Then we're going to have a recording session together and then I'm going to kind of edit it up and send it to her so she can see how that, that works. That works for the project, but it also works for the next project I'm going to work on because that learning of that process helps me to understand as well where, you know, where I can improve. So, um, yeah, so, so I've had a great experience with lots of directors in this way and I hope I continue to do so.
0: I absolutely love that phrase, letting the project melt into you. It sums it up so well. I bang on about planning a lot on this podcast, and I worry sometimes that it sounds really dull, but it does really reap rewards. I've watched so many creative people work over the years, and whilst the end product may look effortless, the really excellent ones are very rarely off the cuff. Good planning and communication allows you to get the very best out of people, because it gives them space and time to be more innovative. Here's voice actor Katie Flammen. I'm so happy to to talk about why directors are
8: massively important for voiceovers. My example is um from recently very recently I've been recording some audio for a museum exhibition that's going to be opening in the UK soon and I was under the impression from the production company that when they sent me scripts for what they're calling a jukebox the sound that that I was recording, the snippets of things that I was recording, were going to be coming out of a jukebox, which is, of course, a thing that is mounted on the wall or stands on the floor and you push a button and the sound comes out of that at you. So I imagine people standing around this exhibition, pushing a button and hearing my voice coming at them when they push the button. The client did not want a directed session. They said that that wasn't necessary. So I recorded the thing and sent it back and they didn't like it. They said it was too silly. It was too over the top. So then I said, well, why don't you come and do a directed session? And I think the client was a bit scared because they're not a director, but they did come on board. And what it enabled us to do was to have a really clear conversation about how this sound is going to be reaching the audience. And they gave me the the amazing piece of information that everything's coming through a headset. So I'm actually not needing to blast the information out and project because people are standing in a room and listening from, through a jukebox. What they're going to be hearing is directly in their ears. And it's a much more intimate delivery is required. So that's why having a director or having a directed session with your client is super helpful for the voiceover. And once I knew that information, of course, I was able to give them exactly the delivery they wanted. And it sounds like a really tiny thing, but it saves a lot of time and it saves money. Because if they'd have come on the line originally and and said to me, well, this is how it's working, then yeah, <laughs> it would have gone better and saved them some time and, and me some time and everybody some money. But um,
0: directors are important. So there you go. Connecting with your voiceover can make a huge difference because you have the chance to explain exactly what you need in the moment. Now, you may not see yourself as a director, but that absolutely doesn't mean you can't direct. At the end of the day, directing is simply helping you to create your project more efficiently. Of course, there are animation gaming and drama directors who are way over at one end of the scale, but there are different kinds of directing at every point. You don't have to be an experienced interior designer to choose the colour of your kitchen walls – you just need to know what you want. And if you don't explain that you want bright fuchsia, you might end up with Magnolia. If you want to save time and money, connecting with voice actors about the aspects of your project means you'll have a better chance of doing that. So as I say, video game, animation and drama directing attracts highly skilled directors, ones who are able to help voice actors to create distinctive, believable characters. Here's voice actor Maggie Turner on working with audio drama directors.
9: One of the qualities you look for in a good audio director is one who understands the importance of rehearsals with opportunities to try options, to try characters, to try accents, and recognise that the actor has to think more deeply and more consistently, really, about the way that they're going to portray their character when the audience has no visual clues um, as to what that character is all about. Another thing I would look for is a director who knows how to divide the script into scenes so that you can really get to grips with what's happening in each of the sections of the piece that you're recording. And those directors who listen, they listen with their ears, not with their eyes. There is a tendency when you're in the same room as someone to look at them to see how they are. But of course, audio work is not about that. It's about what you hear. Um, And so if the director has got his head buried in the script or her head buried in the script while I'm rehearsing a scene, that is absolutely fine by me. And that's the way I would like it to be.
0: Three incredibly practical observations. The space to allow experimentation. The benefits of clear script layout to make the recording session smoother. And listening intently to all the nuances of performance. These are things that all directors can put into practice. Actor Mitch Howell also picks up on the benefits of listening intently.
10: I believe a great director, particularly for voiceover, has to have a very keen ear. They do have to have a keen ear for the character that they're looking for, that they want you to deliver. But they also have to have a keen ear that you are not only delivering the specific character, but you are in tune with the other voiceover artists within the piece, right? So that everything is on one level. Everything is in sync. I've now worked with Simon James Collier for, oh my god, I think probably 2014. So we've been working together for a long time. He is one of these rare birds that just... He knows what he wants. He knows what he's going for in terms of the stylization and the tone of the piece. But he is absolutely allowing you to bloom and blossom in the best possible way. But he always encourages me. He makes me feel invincible. I think that's what a great director does, actually, in general. But... In voiceover particularly, a director who makes you feel so comfortable with your imagination and your choices that they inspire you and encourage you to take risks.
0: Instilling confidence. I've done an episode all about how to make your voiceover feel confident before, and I'll put the details in the show notes. It's a real game changer. And another skill to develop is to be able to tune in and adapt to different kinds of voices. This is actor Sarah Borges.
11: I've been very fortunate in my career to have worked with a lot of really great directors. And upon reflection, I think what, what makes them so great is this uncanny ability to speak a bazillion languages, if you will. So you have a group of actors and you give a note to one actor that completely transforms what they're doing. You can give that same note to a different actor, and nothing happens. And it's not because that actor's bad, but it's because we all come from vastly different backgrounds, and no more so true than in voiceover, where people come from voiceover from acting, like your good self, myself, and a lot of other people. Other people don't. But it's not to say they don't have the chops and they can't act. It's just the vocabulary's different. So the really good directors I've worked with, when I've seen them sort of in a, a group direction session or a workshop, have this amazing ability to speak to each individual person in a way that shifts for that actor's needs and really teases out the full range of color, um, acting color, their, their palette. The paints that they have to play with, and then and then helps add to that palette. Um, it, there's no end game with acting, so the more directors you work with,
0: the, the the broader your color palette gets. Being able to adapt, flex, and be in the moment is definitely something we can all step up to. And now here's voice actor and director Stefan Cornicard with a little tip on how not to direct. Now, he's talking about character acting here, but this holds good for every kind of directing.
12: I'd like to talk about two pet hates. The first one, and the one that I'm going to go on at length about, is uh, line readings. Line readings is when the director feels the need to actually say the line the way he wants to hear it to the actor in the booth and expecting the actor to just mimic the tone that he has been given. The issue with that is that it sucks the life out of performance. It makes a mockery of what being an actor is. And and it's a lazy, lazy way to direct. Line readings have a place, but the place is as a last resort, when everything else has failed, when words have failed, when images have failed, when similes have failed, when adjectives and adverbs have failed. And even then, they should only be used, line readings should only be used once or twice in a session. I recently had the misfortune of working on a game where the director was himself an actor and insisted on giving line readings for every single line. Rather than trying to explain the situation, he would say, oh, I'd like to hear it like this. And then, of course, it reduces the actor to being a parrot, um, an empty vessel, a robot. And the result at the end of the day is that the whole game was basically one voice, that of the director. So at the end of the session and at the end of the recordings, what should be Uh, in effect a collaboration bringing as many different voices to the product as possible was in fact paring down the entire richness of the product to one voice and one voice who was not very good a good session a good voiceover session should be a collaboration where the actor the director and the sound engineer bring their own talent to the table. What it should not be is the director imposing whatever he or she has got in her head in terms of the way the line should be delivered. It should not be the director asking the actor to become a parrot. My second pet hate is directors who take cocaine during sessions. I've had the misfortune of being in a few commercial sessions where the director would nip out from time to time regularly uh, in order to go and powder his nose. And then when he came back, his behavior and his directions were more and more erratic as the session went on. Um, So yes, line readings and cocaine are my two pet hates.
0: Well, sage advice, I think. Just say no, kids. And so, we're nearly at the end of our celebration of why voice directors rock. But I want it to leave you on a bit of a high. And that's not about reference to cocaine. Voice actor and coach Tanya Rich has got some great stories, and this is no exception. But there's an important lesson to be learned here if you work with foreign voices, which is incredibly common in the world of remote recording just this week, I've worked with a British director, an American director and an Italian director, which sounds like the start of a joke, but isn't. Tanya Rich. So many years ago,
13: I lived in Amsterdam and I had a Dutch agent and this was before ISDN. So work, of course, for a British voice in Holland wasn't that busy, but there were some jobs, and they were usually very good jobs. So one day I got booked to be the voice of a, uh, a an audio guide and a video introduction for a great big seed and bulb company in the Netherlands. And off I trolled off to wherever it was and got in the studio. very nice people from the advertising agency. I sit in the booth and I start to give them the you know first few lines of a script. I see them looking puzzled through the glass of the booth, but carry on a little bit. And then I see a lot of discussion. With the talkback off, okay. So I'm already thinking, uh oh. Anyway, talkback comes on and they go, well, "Hey, uh, hey, Tanya, uh, can we talk with you, please?" Yeah, sure. Came out. Hi. What's what's happening? We have a question for you. Yeah. What is it? Are you really English? <laughs> <laughs> to which point I just laughed because I thought it was crazy Dutch, um, and I went, "Yes, I am." And they said, uh, "Oh, it's just that uh, you're not speaking English correctly." I was, <laughs> I was so staggered that I said one of the few phrases I meant I knew in Dutch at that time, which is "Wat bedoel je," which means "What are you on about?" Really, what do you mean? Which then made them very excited. They started really speaking to me in Dutch. I was like, no, 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 Rustig aan, man, rustig aan, which means like, calm it down. Terrible Dutch accent. Sorry, guys, if you are Dutch listening to this. Anyway, so they said, basically, you're not saying it correctly. You're not speaking English properly. I was like, guys, I am. I am English. I don't know. What do you want to see my birth certificate? What? What can I do? And they looked at each other. started rapidly speaking in Netherlands. And then they said, OK, we're going to phone our sister agency in, in London. OK, go ahead. So they did. Got the guy, hi, whatever the guy's name was. We have his voice actor here and she's supposed to be British, but we don't think she's British. Can you listen to her? So I went on. I said, hello, hi, Tanya Rich here. You know, already that steely tone creeping into my voice uh, with a big smile on my face, of course. And uh, he said, uh, yeah, can you just, uh, hi, Tanya?" So they're, they're, they're questioning your nationality. Yes, that's said, right, they are, yes. First time ever in my life, but hey-ho. Um, he said, could you just read a bit of script to me? I said, sure. So they had it on speaker, so I read the same bits. And he came over, the the speaker said, guys, she's English. And then it suddenly dawned on me what they wanted. And I said, thank you so much. We put the phone down to him and I said, guys, I've realised something. You want me to speak English like the Dutch speak English. So you want me to put it with Dutch stresses, which is what? You know, sometimes people do when they learn a foreign language. They often can speak it well, but sometimes they put the stresses in the wrong place. And that's why what I'm doing sounds strange to you. I said, that's what the problem is. You are hearing it with Dutch ears, not English ears. I said, you please trust me. I've been doing this for a pretty long time now and you're safe with me. Anyway, they said, OK, we let you do it. We let you do it. And I did. And the client was happy and the feedback from the tourist was happy and I got paid. But that taught me a massive lesson that... When you are speaking in a lo- another language or even another accent, particularly, say, American, it's not enough to just sound it. You have to think like it. And that means you have to put the stresses that are natural for that particular accent or, or country or whatever, or language, whatever it is. So there you go. That's one of the most interesting sessions I, I ever had. It's obviously stayed with me for a long time, which is why I'm telling you now.
0: And happy World Voice Day. And on that note, we'll leave our celebration right there. So, what have we discovered in this romp through why voice actors need directors? Well, you encourage us to raise our game, creating a better end result for you. Collaborating together is not just fun. It can often lift a project from ordinary to extraordinary. Planning is king, and clear communication gets great results. It's always a good idea to have just one director in the room. Be confident and make your voice actor feel invincible. They'll reward you by being braver and bolder with their choices. Keep yourself in the moment and don't forget to listen hard, especially if you're working with foreign actors. And say no to drugs. This was Talking Creative and I'm Samantha Boffin. You can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn. Do come and connect with me. And of course, happy World Voice Day 2021. Bye. That's it for this week on Talking Creative, the art of voiceover directing. If you're new here, do take a moment to subscribe, rate and review on your favorite podcast app. Or head over to talkingcreative.co.uk where you'll find the whole series so you can get the most from every single booking.